Well, good morning again, family. It's good to see you today. Uh, I want to say that uh, if you came ready to give to the building campaign offering that we're in, uh, we'll be receiving that that offering uh, immediately at the end of this service. And uh, so you can give. We've got a cool update. We're excited about the progress we're making. They got drywall going up. And so we're starting to scheme. We're scheming and planning, trying to figure out what we're going to do with... Uh, with furniture and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're really excited about the progress that's being, that's being made. There's a, uh, there's a famous business book called Think and Grow Rich, where Napoleon Hill tells the story of a man named R.U. Harby. Harby's uncle had gold fever, and he was going to be a prospector, and he was going to strike it rich. He wanted to be extremely wealthy, and he was going to get it in gold. So he, uh, he went prospecting and found a place where he was fully persuaded that there was going to be the gold that he sought after so, so uh, vigorously in his soul. And so, um, so he started looking, and, he, tra- and he, he found a place where he was pretty persuaded that there was some stuff. He found sign of gold, I guess, in the ore. And so he went back, and he raised money with his family raised enough money to buy all the equipment and to go and mine. And man, he struck it rich. He found this vein. He found this ore that had the gold in it. And they were going and it lasted for a minute and everybody was really happy. And then, and then the gold disappeared. And so he's like, "Uh uh-oh. He's like, "I, I bought the mine. I've got all this equipment. And so he kept digging and he kept looking and he kept pressing and he kept pressing. And then he quit. He was like, eh, the, the gold's gone. And so he did the best he could do. He was trying to make money, so he sold off his equipment. He found a, junk, a junkyard dealer kind of guy who, um, who wanted to buy old equipment, and he was going to resell it and do whatever he was going to do, melt it down, make a watch, I don't know. And so he sells the stuff. And then so this other guy, this junk dealer, buys it, and then he's like, he hears about this mine, and he goes, I wonder if there's still more gold in there. He's like, I've got all the equipment. The mine's been abandoned. I'll what's the worst that could happen? And so he makes a phone call and he calls a guy and he says, hey, I want you to go look in this mine, uh, the scientists. And he's like, I want you to see if there's any chance that there's any more gold in there at all. And so homeboy, um, with all of his new stuff, this is guy number one. Homeboy number two learns, homeboy number one was three feet away from the treasure. Three feet away from millions upon millions of dollars. Three feet away. I, I didn't get it to the guys in time to go up there, so I'll show you. It's over there. You see it? Three feet away. And so my junkyard dealer comes in. He goes, oh, I'm going to finish this job. He said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to get it. Last week we heard a, a message about faith. And we heard a message about faithfulness and the important relationship between them. That God doesn't just want faith being dependent. He also wants faithfulness for us to be diligent. And so that's what we're going to continue in that vein today. Because I don't want you to be like Hardy. So I guess my question for you this morning is, are you Hardy? That's his name. Family, there are a million reasons that we could quit on this thing that God has called us to. But today I want to call us to endurance. And I want to talk about the relationship between faith and and endurance. I want to talk about the relationship between courage 
and endurance. And so we're going to be looking in Hebrews chapter 10. You can turn there or just look up on the screen with me, but I'd like you to stand as we prepare to read it. Actually, I was hoping that today we'll read it together. It's going to be verses 35 through 39. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back, and are those, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. Hold on, leave it up there. I want to read 39 again, but with like conviction. Grace covenant. I want to hear you say, but we are not of those, right? So ready? So we're like, we are not of those. Like, like, we like you got some faith that we're not the people that he was just talking about. Okay, ready? Verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere in souls. Mm. That is God's word to us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Awaken us to the reality of your kingdom and your purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the sermon, y'all, right there. I believe by the Spirit of God that what is happening for us right now in this season is that he's calling us to be a people of faith and that it's going to be our faith in Christ and our faithfulness to persevere that defines us. It's not our strategy. It's not our looks. It's not our job. It's not our money. It's not our cars. It's not our houses. It's not even our family. It's God himself and our faith in him that is to be the thing that defines us. And I think a lot of us, including myself, have come from places where we start to rest back on other things. And I want to challenge that thought today and call us all to a, to a vibrant and exciting faith in God where we agree with the things that he's doing instead of working so hard to get him to agree with the things that we're doing. This starts off, it says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Why would we throw away our confidence? And what is the confidence that he's speaking of? The confidence that he's speaking of is not self-confidence. And there's an emphasis on self-confidence because when you're trying to work God out of things, all you have left is yourself. And so when you hear different people, Tony Robbins or other people, think happy thoughts about yourself, what they're trying to do is you're trying to remove God from the equation so that you're the one who has the power to transform yourself and you're the one who has the power to change yourself. And, but that's the problem is that you're the one who needs the power to carry yourself through. We've, we've joked about this before in the congregation, but a man can't pick himself up. It's impossible. The strongest man in the world is incapable of picking himself up by himself. The strongest man with the strongest community in the world, they could pick him up and they could hold him for a minute, but only God can lift up the whole group of them. Because in the, in the end, we're all still stuck on the ground. Somebody's feet are on the ground, but we serve a God who picks us up. We serve a God who holds us up. And that's, that, so when we talk about confidence, don't think about your self-confidence. Think about the confidence that we have in God. This book, Hebrews, 
was written to the, to the Hebrew people in Jerusalem who, were, who had confessed faith in Christ. And in doing so, it was a radical separation from the rest of the Jewish community, and it put them at risk. It was a costly surrender to Jesus. For many of us, when we surrendered to Jesus, it didn't cost anything. It got us a high five and a nice dinner. Right? Like, congratulations, you made it. Let's throw a party. But for these Hebrew people, it was not so much that way. It cost them a lot. It put, their, it put their lives at risk. It put their families at risk. It put their job at risk. It put their property at risk. But these people who had, they, they considered it worth the cost to follow Jesus. Not only did they consider it worth the cost, but in the zeal of their faith, with all of their passion serving God, it says that they joyfully, ex- uh, uh, they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Can you even imagine that for just a moment? I got robbed once. I was sleeping. I was on a missions trip, and I was sleeping in a house that had no locks. In former Soviet Union, kind of a crusty house, like the water was looked like milk. You know, I, like, yeah, I didn't have a shower, I bathed in the Baltic. I mean, it was kind of a cool experience, but weird. The last day, right before I'm getting ready to come home, I wake up to guys looting my room. Like, I wake up, and the guy's standing over me with my laptop. And I'm like, oh. This is bad. But in my 18-year-old mind, I didn't go, well, bless you. This is wonderful. Plunder me. I was like, I'm going to get you. And so ignorantly, I chased them out of the house and down the street. And by the grace of God, I tripped. (laughs) I tripped and got caught up and they got away. Because what if I'm going to be catching three guys? Like what? There was no thought. That's the problem with the thought, uh, with the question, what were you thinking? I don't know. I, I wasn't thinking clearly I, I, or we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Uh, there's a country song. It's like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I know what I was feeling. That's how most of us live. It's about his love for God. <laughs> it's an old song. It's old. Um, why was I talking about that? Plundering. Oh, they plundered with joy. They were plundered with joy. So I'm, no, I'm nothing like these Hebrew people. I wasn't like, hey, bless you. I, I'm like, they accepted it. It says that they joyfully accepted. Hey, look at this. They're taking our stuff. Look at that. Hey, there's a watch in the drawer. The real valuable stuff is, in, is behind the desk. It's in the hidden safe that you didn't see. You missed it. Come back. You, you, you missed some. Right? And my neighbor, my neighbor has some stuff in their basement underneath that couch. Just slide it to the side. That's where the goodness is. They joyfully accepted this. These people had so much faith and trust that God was going to persevere them, that God was going to carry them through, that God was going to provide, that no man could mess up the things that God had planned for them. So go ahead and take my stuff because my God is bigger than your plan for me. God's ability to provide is bigger than my ability to provide for myself. And they were walking with this much confidence. And, and, but, they were, but here, these people are now facing a challenge. It's been a little while. They've been walking with Jesus for a little while. And they don't have any stuff anymore. <laughs> and so the author's saying, don't throw away 
the confidence. Remember the confidence that you had when you were willing to suffer persecution, when you were willing to get things up, when you were willing to do hard things, when you were willing to invite your neighbor to church, when you were willing to talk about God at the water cooler, when you were willing to pray for the person who was heartbroken, when you were willing to believe for your son or daughter to return, when you were willing to believe for your marriage to be healed, when you were willing to believe that you could live pure and godly in this age. Remember those things. And remember the confidence because the confidence that you had in those moments in God is going to fuel your endurance and your ability to follow him and to receive a great reward. Um, I'll talk about the great reward in just a few minutes, but, but the author talks about this two times. He's like, a great reward and you'll get what was promised because he's like, I don't want you to miss this. This is really, really important that more important than anything that you can do for yourself in this moment and in this time fails in comparison to what God wants to do for those who endure. Endurance is absolutely critical to this life, this life in God. Pastor Chris Johnson last week talked about how he'll jump out the boat, but his wife's the one walking on water. Which one gets the prize? And by the grace of God, they're walking together. So she's like, come on. Come on, we're walking on this water. And so what we need is for faith to fuel our endurance. And this endurance comes when you remember the impossible things that God has overcome before. The Hebrew people had this rich tradition. Their great-grandparents experienced extraordinary things in their family line. And really, in some ways, in our spiritual family line, they have people who the Red Sea parted in front of. They passed that down. Like, I don't, I don't know a whole lot of really cool stories about my family lineage. But they had like the Red Sea parting. They had manna and quail coming from all sorts of different places. They have armies that destroyed other armies by singing. They, they got some stories that were passed down generation after generation after generation that allowed them to stand on the shoulders of the people who had gone before them because of the faith of the people before them. They were able to walk with current confidence and courage that God was going to come through for them. If God could destroy armies with a song, what could he do for us? So he calls them to remember and to believe that God will do the impossible. I want to ask a simple question. Have you put your confidence in God? There's a temptation for those of us who have been walking with God for a minute to at some point, it's a slow fade and we don't even recognize it. And some of y'all might not recognize it until this moment that you said, I got it from here, God. I'm I'm not cussing like I used to. I'm not drinking like I used to. I'm not in the club like I used to be or as much as I used to be. (laughs) And I'm making improvements. I cuss in my mind. I I cuss in my heart now, God. I've got this. I've cleaned it up. The pastor thinks I'm really doing this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Whee! (laughs) I wasn't, I was, yeah, too real. You know, I got a pastor too. <laughs> pastor Brett thinks I'm doing great. I'll take it from here, God. I got this. Look what I can do. There's a temptation to do that when you've been walking with God for a minute. He's like, no, 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 don't fall into that trap. I need you to remember the confidence that you had. It wasn't in yourself because you couldn't do anything. The confidence that you had was in me. 
Now, there are reasons that we lose our confidence. And like I said, sometimes we don't even realize it. Sometimes we, we don't understand the reward. Sometimes we, uh, we, we think of the reward as being small or insignificant because we're so earthly-minded that we don't understand the things of God that he has stored up for us in the next life. We're so busy chasing down reward in this life that a reward in the next life doesn't mean anything to us. Two, two encouragements for you. One, by pursuing God and having your confidence in him and enduring in him, you receive reward now. There's benefit for us now and there's treasure for us later that far exceeds anything that we can experience in this life because we're not taking any of this with us into that life. Yeah. And so uh, that's, that's one reason. Sometimes we, uh, we worked really hard uh, to, find, to, to create our own treasure. Sometimes we're playing the expectations game. It's like, let me play this down a little bit. And let me not look too forward to this because last time I looked forward to things, I got disappointed. Mm-hmm. Right? Like my dad said he was going to take me here. We went there instead. Like I, I, t- I was told it was the world's best cup of coffee yeah, mediocre at best. Somebody told me that meal was going to be delicious and, and it fell way short of that. And so we're so used to disappointment that we prepare ourselves for the disappointment in God. That somehow God is going to disappoint us as well. That the treasure is not going to be as great as we thought it was going to be. That the treasure was going to be less than we, than we think that we deserve. Or that it's going to be uh, some marginal gift or like the thing that they got in the, the $1 section at Target. And you're like, oh, thanks. Right? It's like the socks that really just don't go with anything. Maybe, well, let me say that that underestimates the goodness and the love and the ability of our God to, to do that. Maybe God didn't answer you in the time frame that you expected. Maybe it's maybe it shifts just a little bit, and maybe it's not about maybe it's not about the stuff. Maybe it's about just the heartache and the disappointment. I asked for that, I prayed for that, I longed for that, and it didn't happen. And there's no way it can happen because the person's gone. The person's the person's died. God didn't come through for me then. How can I know He's going to come through for me later? I want to assure you that what we see in the resurrection of Jesus is a promise, a ratified promise that he can do what he said he will do. And he will always follow through on what he promised. His word does not return void. And the things that he promised do come to pass. Sometimes the pain is just realizing that our dream wasn't the dream that God had. And some of the things that died in our life need to stay dead because it was your idea, not his idea. But some of the things that have died in your life need to be resurrected because it wasn't your idea. It was his idea. Right? And you tried to kill it. (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't like that. Uh Uh-uh. No, sir. Not doing that job. Not answering that call. Not getting a relationship with that person. Not forgiving that person. Not loving that person. God's like, I'm not going to let that die. Because this one's my idea. This one's my plan, and I want you to experience the fullness of the reward that I've got waiting for you on the other side. So confidence, maintain that confidence because you're going to have need of endurance. Man, I wish that this said you're going to have need of a big bowl and spoons and napkins because it's an ice cream party. I wish they said bring cheese because... 
we're eating nachos. <laughs> right? Like you, you, you know a lot about what's about to happen by what you're told to bring. Right? Somebody says, there, were, there was a time where the missionaries would go with their casket because they considered a privilege to die for Christ. So it's like you go with a knapsack and a casket so they know where to put you. So you don't get just tossed in the ocean or something. It's like, but I'm going to go expecting that probably what's going to happen for me is I'm going to die. But I consider that to be worth the cost. But you're going to have need of endurance. Now, why would the author say this? You have need of endurance. That's not encouraging to me. Because he's not lying. He's telling us the truth about the life that we live in. In this life, you will have troubles, but take hope. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. I have overcome. And in my overcoming, you will get to overcome. And so we're going to need that endurance, but it's faith that fuels the endurance. It's faith that fuels the faithfulness. Because to be faithful every day, you have to remind yourself why I'm in it. And then that God did do it. And and he will do it again. If he did it, he'll do it again. God did do it for JC. He did do it for Pastor Brett. He did do it for Pastor Donnell. He did do it for Joe. He did do it for all these different people. And I believe that God can do it for me. And for that reason, I'm going to stay faithful to the things of God. And I'm going to stay faithful to the call of God, trusting that he'll do for me what I can't do for myself. And what he'll do for me is allow, allow me and allow you to have an impact on the, on the world that you could only imagine on your own. The impact that any of us could have is just a shadow of what's possible in Jesus. But we need endurance. We don't want to just get out of the boat. We want to be able to walk on water. It's not just to get out of the jail cell, but to walk all the way into the freedom and the liberty that he has. It's not just to, 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 have, your, to, to have your bank account unfrozen, but to have enough to be able to provide for other people. It's not just to get a, enough freedom for yourself, but enough to have freedom to give to other people. I had an awesome conversation with one of my kids the other day. I was like, baby, you just got to have some grace for this person in your life. My child responded, said, I don't have grace to give. Well, you're wise. Let's go get ice cream. (laughs) Like, you know what? I know that feeling. I'm there right now with you. I'm, I'm all out of choices. I don't even know what to do right now. Let's just hold hands. Let's just, let's just snuggle. Cause I, we need grace. I was like, so then I, then I remembered that God has grace. And it's like, okay, we're both out of grace, but I know where we can get some. And so we prayed together and we were like, God, we're all out of grace. This is how pastors pray. I'm all out. I ain't got none. It's gone. It's been plundered. Not so joyfully. It's been plundered. And I'm exhausted and tired. I'm out. She's out. Nobody's got any. The barista doesn't have any. I tried the caffeine. That didn't make me joyful. It made me jittery. God, will you give us some grace? Let us experience your mercy. Let us remember the grace that you've had towards us and we got filled up and we were able to love one another and then, and then show love to the rest of our family as, was, as we were being called to do. But we need endurance so that when you have done the will of God, 
No, I think some of this we need to we need to understand that like you can read it in the passive voice. This is certainly a letter to a group of people in a specific time that had very specific promise and very specific meaning to them. But this is one of these places in scripture where we can take the application of this and write in our own name right here. And you could say, for I have need of endurance so that when I have done the will of God, I may be able to receive what is promised. And we need to be able to own the promises of God like this, this intense, intensely and this purposefully. That we understand that it's not just a relationship with God that God had with some people back then, but it's a relationship with God that's available for me right now. And so when you have done the will of God, now this is where a lot of us get frozen up. It's like, well, what's the will of God? And, and we feel like it's, it's this mysterious and difficult thing to comprehend. And I, I, there, there, there are, there's nuance and there's, there's certainly, um, it's certainly something that needs to be sought after, but it's not complicated. My, my concern about this will of God is that we complicate it quite a bit more than it needs to be complicated. And most of the time when we say, I can't discern the will of God, really what we're saying is, I can't even figure out what I want to do. I saw what God wanted me to do. I didn't like it. So now I want to do something different. And I can't figure out what that something different is that's going to give me the most meaning and the most purpose that I want for myself. Now, I'm not talking about anybody in there. I'm talking about myself. That God has called us by his Holy Spirit. God has called us by the Holy Spirit. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the prophets, everything in the Old Testament points to these two things. And everything hangs on these two big ideas on my will. But which college am I supposed to go to? This will must supersede everything else that happens in our life. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't think about what college you should go to and what job you should take. That should be done prayerfully and with counsel. And it should be taken seriously because that fits within the will of God. But most of us are chasing after the stuff down here first instead of looking at the biggest picture so that our smaller picture makes sense within it. If there's a picture being drawn on this screen, we're all focusing on the eight and we're missing. Maintain confidence. Continue in God's will. God is coming. God's contentment because we're so focused on the eight right here in the bottom right-hand corner. Does that make sense? And so we're, we're stressed out because we're like, I don't know how it fits. If you zoom back and get God's picture for it. If you let him tell you his dream for your life. And oftentimes what he does when he talks about his dream for your life is he's going to talk to you about, about who he's called you to be before he talks to you about what he's called you to do. And so if you know what it is that you're supposed to do, get praying real quick about God, who is it that I'm supposed to be? And this is not an idea that he keeps hidden from us. It's hidden in plain sight in his word. We just have to read it. I had the most convicting winter of my life as it concerns to reading the Bible when I realized it's not that long and I don't know it very well. When I realized that I remember movies and movies and movies and movies and movies and movies that I can, that that we can watch a, a series of Netflix and the time it would take for us to read the Bible the whole thing. Y'all, that was convicting for me. 
He's like, I can watch three seasons of The Flash. <laughs> but but I, can't get through, I can't get through Genesis. That's 50 chapters, God. You know this is a long book. It took you 1,500 years to write it. You want me to re- <laughs> read the whole thing? I want to know the whole thing. That got me convicted, man. You can read these letters and the, these, these epistles. You can read like first John or you can read third John in like a minute, right? It's like 15 verses. Time yourself. Next time you read the Bible and be like, how far can I get? What does that calculate to across the whole Bible? But we can get to know this thing and we could know it inside and out. We don't have to marvel when somebody else knows the Bible really well and they can pull all these verses from all over the place. We can know it. Maybe you won't remember the chapter and the verse if you're reading it through, and that's, that's okay, but you'll, you're going to stumble on some stuff where you're like, what? Yeah. I mean, I was reading Exodus because I'm, I'm reading. So what I decided to do just uh, a couple weeks ago is I was like, I'm going to read the chronological Bible. So it's like Genesis goes to Job, and then you've got, because Job was a patriarch, he was at the same time as Abraham. Where it's going to get really awesome is like with First uh, and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles and Psalms. It's just going to be like the Bible explodes, and it's going to be all layered on top of itself. But I'm like, I want to get all of this in me. Yeah. And so I'm going to read it as if it was like a, a, a book that was written in the order that things happened in. Mm-hmm. And like you, you stumble on things, and you'll go, wow, that's amazing. You know, God... Put, he, God directed the Israelites to the Red Sea. He's like, hey, I'm going to set you free. Go to the Red Sea. <laughs> so can, can you imagine their shock when they're like, yep, good. Uh, GPS is broken. Um, you told us to turn left. You clearly meant that we were supposed to turn right because there's a big ocean in our way. So I don't know what you didn't know when you told us to come here, but we're being chased and they want to kill us and there's a huge body of water. We're going to die. But it says that God took them there. I'm like, well, shoot. I've never had an army chasing after me, but I've had a bill (laughs) due. Anybody else? You're like, oh, shoot. (laughs) Hospital. (laughs) What? (laughs) How many doctors do they have at a hospital that needed to look at my child? I don't think they even came in the room. They just said, 50 bucks. Just walk on by the room. They just, they just, (laughs) bing. And they just walk by the little clicker. And and it goes to their, anyway. But I had a bill due. But I know that God, 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 he's not, he's not, he will call us to the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army behind us because, and here's the thing, he didn't want to teach them how to run. He didn't want to teach them how to hide. He wanted to teach them to have authority and to have faith and to believe him for great things that they couldn't do for themselves. So he's like, yeah, I'll send you up to a Red Sea so that you can have some faith. So that you can expect me to do great things and you can have a legacy of the people who walked through the river, walked through the sea. And that's what's waiting for us. Just right here. It's just waiting for you. It's waiting for me. It's been waiting for me. It was just sitting there. No, like, it's not like, I just never saw it. And there's stuff in here that we've never read. And it's like, no, no, we need to read that. It's important. And as we give ourselves to the word of God, and as we give and bring ourselves around the people of God, he changes us. He transforms us. 
and he'll confirm his will. The things that I get in here, if there's something that's directed for me, and I'm, man, I really feel like this is something God's leading me to. Megan, what do you think? And then we'll bring it to the elders. We'll say, hey, what do you, what do you all think? You're in my life. You know me. You know my trajectory. You know where I've been. You know where we believe that God is, who God is calling me to be. Do you think that this idea or this step is in line with the rest of the call of God on my life? And sometimes it's a resounding yes. And sometimes it's a resounding no. And sometimes it's a not yet. Which was really just a nice no. They're like, he'll get distracted. <laughs> well, I'm not yet. I know he'll get distracted with something else. And we'll never talk about it again. And sometimes not yet is really just not yet. It's coming later. We're going to need endurance to do the will of God because we're going to come up against Red Seas. We need endurance to do will of God because there are going to be times where, where we don't have it in us. And when the obstacle is bigger and harder and stronger than we thought it was going to be, and we're going to have to have endurance that comes from an expression of everyday faith. And when we've endured and done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. First Peter 5, 4 says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you shall receive the unfading crown of glory. When you've stayed a hundred times that you wanted to quit, when you stayed a hundred times, you wanted to walk away. When you stayed the hundred times you wanted to fold, when you stayed the times you wanted not to forgive, to choose to just despise and to slink away and, and to hide, when you've chosen to do those, instead of doing those things, to stay and to remain and to abide in the will of God, there is a reward for us. Yeah. We have to finish the race. The people that don't finish the race aren't the people who get the rewards. Um, you know, if you've grown up in the trophy generation, you got a trophy. If you, if you didn't even, you weren't even on the field, you were off kicking dandelions. Like, like coach didn't know where you were. You just left the field. I mean, I, so I coach a, a, a soccer team, really good one, <laughs> high level. It's you eight boys. And man, all it takes is a goose to fly over. And the whole team's gone, like off the field, like they're going to catch the goose. So I don't even, I don't even coach anymore when the geese fly. Like if there's like 10 geese, forget about it for like five minutes. It's like, chase it, see if you can get it. You all get trophies anyway. We, we don't have to win. We don't keep score except for all of us. except for all of us who know we're getting slaughtered <laughs> because you're watching geese. No. <laughs> endure, endure. <laughs> and then the author goes on. And by the way, I keep saying author because we're not sure exactly who wrote it. We think it's, P- we think it's Paul. It could be, could be Barnabas, but we're not sure. But it's in the Bible because the early church saw this as authoritative and they used it and, and they were able to affirm every word of it, right? They were able to say, this is what is true. And they held it as tightly as they held the other passages and the other scriptures. So every time I say the author, I'm not hiding a name. I'm not trying to keep it mysterious. It, it just, we, we're not sure who did it. 
But when we done, so then the author goes on and he, and he quotes Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And he doesn't really quote it. He more paraphrases it. And he doesn't quite paraphrase it. He more just applies it and says, hey, the people, when, when, when Habakkuk came, he prophesied this thing. It applies to you today in this moment. And I need you to know, yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. God is coming to your situation. Now he's talking about the coming of Jesus. He's like, Jesus is coming back. We do believe that. It's not something we talk about a lot because it doesn't change today much. Right? So Jesus is coming back and he is going to judge everything. But today we're called to follow him. And oftentimes when you overemphasize the coming back on Jesus, you, you can, we kind of check out and we just throw a barbecue. Everybody's like, what would you do if today was the last day of your life? Throw a party. But really, instead of getting to the business of following Jesus, I know, I know somebody who said, um, I want to get baptized because I think Jesus is coming back on this day. And I said, well, great. What if, what if you get baptized and he doesn't come back on that day? Then they, they said, it's as far away as it's ever been. I was like, no, that's not really true. It's as close as it's ever been. But we don't talk about it a lot because nobody knows when he's going to come back. But we do know what we're called to do in him today. And so what we have is uh, this, this, this quote, and he's like, God is coming. And I want to say that God is coming to your situation by virtue of who he is. By virtue of the omnipresence of God, the everywhere nature of God, he'll come to your situation if you're in faith and you're faithful and you're there. He's coming. He might not have the news that you want, but he's coming. He comes by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and he dwells among us. The Holy Spirit was called the comforter, not because things are going to be easy. But because we were going to need God to come to our situation and bring us comfort and peace. And he also bring us power to live godly in this present age. To lay hands on sick people. To, to be able to, to see people get healed. To be able to speak what is the heart of God in a moment to a person who's, who's withering away on the vine. To be able to tap into the heart of God and be able to express that to your friends, to your neighbor, to your co-worker, to your classmates. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Jesus says in Luke 18, 8, he says, will the son of man find faith in the earth? Family, will God find faith at Grace Covenant Church? Will God find faith in your community? Will God find faith in your home? Will God find faith in your cubicle? Will God find faith in your marriage? Will God find faith in your singleness? Will God find faith in your parenting? Will God find faith in, in, your, in your car on 66 rush hour? Probably a little less. But that's the opportunity for a lot more. Man, I love this. And this is why we read it like we did. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The author switches over into this mode. He's like, but I want to remind you who you are. I want to tell you who you are in God. I want to tell you who you can be in Christ. You're not someone who shrinks away. I'm glad I've got some men in my life who look at me and say, do not shrink away in this time. Stand up. Megan had somebody tell her, uh, <laughs> nail your foot to the floor. Like it was an elder's wife, a pastor's wife. And, and they were talking about some, some difficulties that we were having. And, <laughs> and this woman said, nail your foot to the floor and stand. We are not the kind of people that shrink back. 
We are not the kind of people that hide. We're the kind of people that lean forward and fight. If you get a, if you get a diagnosis, you don't just wither away and die. You don't just go hide and lick your wounds. You stand up and you, you cry out to God with the community of God and say, God, come. I've been talking a lot about this recently, about how Jesus, in essence, at the calling of the disciples, he says, I choose you. But today, the question, the statement I want us all to make is I choose you. I choose you to be my confidence. I choose you to be my hope. I choose you to be my security. I choose you to be the Lord of my life. I choose you to be the one who leads me in forgiveness. I choose you to be the one who, who, who I rest in and trust in. I choose you to be the one who directs me. I choose you to be the one who provides. This is the call for us today with full confidence to look to God and say, I choose you. As you've chosen me, I've chosen you. We love the song, Relentless Love kicking down doors and climbing mountains and shining light in the shadows. It's like, that's how he's come after us. It's our turn to chase after him with that same confidence and that same courage and that same endurance. God, I choose you and I want to kick down any door. I want to shine light in any dark place in my life. I want to climb every mountain. I want to scale every obstacle. I want to overcome every obstacle. I want to clamor to get to you. That's what we're being invited into. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the faith that overcomes. I thank you for the victory that is our faith. I thank you that you've overcome all things and in you we can too. Jesus, we, we recognize God, I, I ask that you would give us the courage to surrender to you, to follow you, to submit to you. This morning, Father, we, we freshly surrender our lives to you. Commit our way to you, commit our path to you, commit our heart to you. We acknowledge that you are King, you are Lord, you are God, and that you died and rose from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins and to establish your kingdom on the earth.